0: Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. If you've got health care already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to a bank.
1: Together, we will make America great again.
2: We shall never surrender. Never surrender. It's what you've been
3: waiting for all day. The Buck Sexton Show. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll-free at 844-900-BUCK. That's 844-900-2825. The future of talk radio.
2: Buck Sexton. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Oh, my gosh. A lot going on today. I I will be honest with you. I will tell you that I had been planning, and some of you saw this on Facebook this morning, I've been planning to just, Really change it up today with a show that would be things of, of interest to me and maybe a little bit of historical storytelling or something. I don't know. I just wanted to get away from what had been so dominant in the headlines this week. And then at about two o'clock today, boom, big stories. I mean, just big stuff dropping. The, the biggest has to do with this uh, Russia indictment, situ- Russia collusion situation situation. Um, You have special counsel Mueller charging 13 Russians with interfering in the 2016 election. That's that's at least how it's being presented. I'm going to dig into this a bit. Uh, This is. Oh, boy, it's going to be a bit frustrating. But here's uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein with just exactly what's going on.
4: A grand jury in the District of Columbia today returned an indictment presented by the special counsel's office. The indictment charges 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies for committing federal crimes while seeking to interfere in the United States political system, including the 2016 presidential election. The defendants allegedly conducted what they called information warfare against the United States with the stated goal of spreading distrust towards the candidates and the political system in general
2: now this is being spawned by both sides the trump colluded with russia and betrayed his countryside also known as the mainstream media as well as the no this is nonsense how could anyone think this about trump i'm so sick of this malarkey investigation as being a, a day when we're where we've come to a conclusion right there was there was there was no collusion, there was interference. There was no collusion yet. How much interference was there? Here's the problem, folks. It's never gonna end. <laughs> this is the it, they're never gonna stop. It doesn't matter what comes out, it doesn't matter what the actual information is. Rod Rosenstein, Muller, heck, even throw Comey in there. If he stopped taking Twitter photos of waterfalls for a moment. Uh, throw Comey in there, and and if they all said, you know what, we've really looked into this, and Trump, there was no collusion with Trump. He didn't do anything wrong. You know what the press would say? Still unable to find Trump-Russia collusion, but questions linger. That's all. So I'm just preparing. It's, like, it's never going to change. So let's just get So we'll focus on the facts and ignore as much as we can the nonsense political spin that's being put on all this by people who aren't invested in in the facts they're invested in in a narrative here's what happened um you had a bunch of russians according to the indictment and i read through the indictment several times you had a bunch of russians part of a uh, internet re- they, they had some phony name for it, internet research company and they set up Phony bank accounts in the U.S. To, and, and took on IDs of Americans. So, so, there look, there are some actual crimes that occurred here. Um, identity theft, wire fraud. But they set up sock puppets and Facebook stuff, and I think they maybe got a rally or two together somewhere uh, by using the Internet in order to run a whole bunch of different messages during the election and after the election. They were sometimes pro-Bernie Sanders. They were pro-Trump in some ways. They were anti-Hillary, anti-Rubio, anti-Cruz. This started, everyone, this is according to the indictment today, so this is all now on the record, official DOJ position, criminal proceeding. This is not theoretical. This started in 2014. Did Did anybody, almost in the world, including maybe like President Trump's immediate family, think that he was going to win the election in 2014? Probably not. Seemed pretty unlikely at the time. If you, if you think back, I know a lot of you are like, Buck, I saw it coming. Maybe you saw it coming in 2015, okay? But 2014? I don't think so. I, I doubt that. That would That would be quite a prediction. That all said, the Russian effort here was to just create a sense of Agitation in the political system and, and some degree of, of uh, undermining of the sanctity of our electoral process or something like that. Basically just to sow confusion and chaos. They call it information warfare, which I would note is, that's, that's, a, that's pretty strong terms for some Facebook sock puppets and Twitter trolls. Right? That seems to me to be perhaps taking this a bit far. Which is also why I'm a, I'm a little concerned about what this really means going forward. So now is is fake news? If it involves a if, if a foreign country puts fake news out there, is that a is that an act of war? What is the additional illegality here in the indictment? It specifically mentions defrauding the government of the United States and defrauding the Federal Election Commission by 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 being a part of our process by. Spreading lies by by rumor spreading essentially look'm I don't like Russia I don't you know like well, I like Russians I don't mean that but I don't like the Russian government meddling in our stuff I don't I don't think this is a good thing but where does that stop and start? I mean the internet is global folks Here's the biggest problem I have with this and by the way I don't think that I've forgotten or or I'm not gonna get to the FBI just just doing a, a straight up a face plant on the whole, uh, stopping the shooter thing. I I knew that, that it looked kind of bad for them, and then I, we've got that they just ignored the tip. We will get there. That's probably going to wait until the second hour, but I promise you we're going to really roll up the sleeves on that one because, wow, I just wanted to get that out there. That's something we will have to tackle today, too, because a lot of, of big news for a Friday. Uh, but the, the biggest problem I have with this, and I actually... Tangled with the former CIA director. He was never uh, never my boss at the agency. So I have no uh, particular fondness or loyalty to him. But John Brennan, who wrote that the DOJ statements and indictments reveal the extent and motivations of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Claims of a hoax in tatters. My take implausible that Russian actions did not influence the views and votes of at least some Americans. I responded to Mr. Brennan, former CIA director, close confidante of Obama's, by the way, and a hyper-partisan. And I know that's the case. I got people who tell me things. But here's what I responded. That under this standard, Mr. Brennan, any foreign actor anywhere in the world can undermine the results of any U.S. election by setting up a few sock puppets, buying some Facebook ads, because that would also influence, quote, at least some americans you'll notice that there's no effort nor is there any curiosity on the part of the media to try and gauge the extent and effect of this effort they're saying things like oh it looks like they spent a few million dollars a few million dollars to influence the u.s presidential election is that a joke I mean, if they were trying to influence a congressional seat in Oklahoma i might be like all right you know a few million dollars that's going to be a lot yeah but a us presidential election does anyone take russian sock puppets seriously was this was this having any effect now I, here's the problem with this it leaves it all completely open ended they can say and technically there's truth to it that Russia interfered in our election. And that's all they wanna keep saying because the subtext of that for the Democrat left is that Russia interfered in our election and therefore Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. We all know that, right? That's what they're really saying. That's the subtext. What I'm saying in response to that is this is the equivalent of at a presidential election saying there was some voter fraud and we can point to at least a few cases of people indicted for voter fraud. Therefore, this election was tainted by voter fraud and we can't consider it to be legitimate. See, a reasonable response to that would be, does it, I mean, are we talking about a few hundred votes with over 60 million cast? Because that's obviously not changing the course of the election. But that's not what they're doing here. This is the this is the digital equivalent of well because thirteen Russians working with a few dozen other Russians created some fake Facebook accounts that said you know lock her up for Hillary that that brings the election into doubt. I would also note that the the saber rattling over this just vis a vis Russia is astonishing to me. Oh, okay, so we're worried about Russia doing this in the next election. How do we stop this? And what's a legitimate recourse other than to say, okay, Russia, don't do this. Are we going to give the power to any non-state actor in Russia or anywhere else in the world for that matter to cause major diplomatic incidents for us because they set up some U.S.-based social media accounts? As I said, there are some aspects of the Russian intrusion into our process that certainly break laws. Identity theft, although identity theft You really want to get down to this? The fact of the matter is that identity theft occurs. And when I mean that, I'm not talking about when you open bank accounts and but just creating false accounts. People do that all the time. They're not charged. Clearly, the addition of some of the other criminal statutes into this uh, indictment today about these 13 Russians in the election is to give it a little bit more heft, a little more teeth, a little more clarity. Because things like information warfare and spreading distrust are not crimes. That's what troubles me about this. So Mueller's saying, effectively in this indictment, the DOJ is saying, remember, he's not apart from the Department of Justice, he's just a rogue operator within it. That's what the Mueller probe is. But they're saying, effectively, uh, that this is information warfare. Huh. That seems to me to be troubling because... If it's information warfare, what is the proper response? And how do we stop it? And what is a way to quantify the scope and scale of the problem? They don't make any effort at that because the the narrative on the left is Russia interfered in the election. The narrative on the right is, well, a a version of what Rosenstein said in a statement today. I think he wrote this.
4: What I've identified for you are so the allegations in the indictment. There's no allegation in the indictment of any effect on the outcome of the election.
2: So there's nothing about collusion and there's nothing about changing the course of the election in the indictment. For some of us, we've reached the point where, OK, if they don't have it now, you know, they they clearly don't have it. Of, But for the other side, it's just uh, yet. They're always inserting the yet. We don't have evidence of collusion yet. We don't have evidence that it changed the course of the election yet. And that will never change, folks. And that's what's so frustrating about it. You're not dealing with good faith actors on the other side here. The Democrats, the left, they don't care what the eventual outcome is. The process is the punishment. And as long as they can keep running with this storyline that Russia did anything, just just tip the scale just a tiny bit in favor of Trump. It casts aspersions on the legitimacy of the Trump presidency. Trump is therefore deserving of no degree of respect, no degree of bipartisan goodwill. He's hashtag not my president, they would say. So as much as today, to me, to me it's, it's a really inflated by the left situation. It's just not as big a deal as they want to make it into. It's also not going away anytime soon. So we'll get into more of this. But, you know, I I take a a different approach. I saw a lot of conservatives saying, see, no collusion, no collusion. I want to say, guys, yeah, no collusion, but that doesn't stop this because they just say no collusion yet. They say we're going to find collusion. So just, you know, don't think that this is the end of it based on the fact that they haven't asserted any Trump-Russia active conspiracy here. I've also been telling you all along that they use the term collusion and not conspiracy because collusion will be used as a political word so that this becomes a political crime as an impeachment becomes the only viable route to deal with it. Conspiracy has a specific legal definition and terminology attached to it that they will never be able to prove. And they know that. That's why it's always been about collusion, because those words otherwise could be used somewhat interchangeably. All right. We have a lot more here. What do you think, by the way? The 13th. I really want to hear from all of you, because I look at this and I'm just like, what is Mueller doing? These Russians are never going to get extradited. They're never going to face justice. They set up some sock puppets. They use some fake bank accounts. You know, they I don't think they stole money from anyone, although I'm not. I have to, I have to go back and look at that. But so they're guilty of some identity, identity theft and wire fraud. It's not good. It's criminal, but it's also not. Keeping me, uh, you know, up late at night, shaking in my booties here. And as for the information warfare, I just think it's laughable. I'm not okay with it. I don't approve of it. I think Russia is a bad actor in this situation. But I also think, come on, everyone, let's get a grip here. You really think that this had any effect on anything. The answer over at CNN is absolutely. All right. 844-900-2825. It is Friday. I want to hear from lots and lots of you folks out there. 844 buck We'll be right back.
4: The defendants posed as politically and socially active Americans, advocating for and against particular candidates. They established social media pages and groups to communicate with unwitting Americans. They also purchased political advertisements on social media networks. Well, the Russians also recruited and paid real Americans to engage in political activities, promote political campaigns, and stage political rallies. The defendants and their co-conspirators pretended
2: to be grassroots activists. So is this information warfare or just FEC violations? Or, or is it both? You know, I, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. Where do, we, where do we draw the lines here? Uh, they're saying that uh, thir- 13 guys indicted for this? That's it? You'll notice that there's some, I I think, uh, very uh, feverish moving of the goalposts that's going on here by many of those who have been promoting a narrative about Russia collusion for over a year now. Do not forget, my friends. Do not let them change and rewrite history the whole frenzy behind this is not that a few people created some social media profiles to try to trick some people into what hating hillary think about how much noise was out there you want to talk about separating the signal from the noise how many millions and millions of twitter accounts hundreds of millions of facebook accounts are posting things about the election literally hundreds of millions and yeah, this was the difference maker. This is laughable. Except people think that it is the biggest political scandal of the last, you know, 100 years or whatever. I mean, the Democrats do. But the story was not that there was some Russian intrusion into our political ecosystem via social media, right? That was not what was getting them all riled up. Don't let them just ease into that now. Oh no. It was that there was high-level cooperation with the Trump campaign to do that. We still have nothing on that, zero. And we cannot allow those who were promoting that storyline for over a year to just kind of slink away, just be like, yeah, hey, you know, yeah, we, we really were just worried about those sock puppets and Twitter trolls. No, That is not what was at the heart of all of this. Because that's not going to stop. Someone explain to me how the FBI is supposed to handle this. There are some someone in Russia, some group in Russia sets up a, a few a few hundred accounts to try and help a political candidate in the U.S. and they're tweeting stuff out about them. Are, are we? And they're pretending that it's coming. It's coming from like you know Bill in Kentucky. Uh, are we gonna do what? We're gonna block the internet from Russia to the U.S. I mean, let's let's think about this for a moment. We're gonna freak out. Yell at the Russian government for this I just want to know what what's the real Response you know we've been talking about Trying to deal with Russian intrusion in the elections so how Do we do that anyone have any ideas I'm wondering we'll be back
3: He's holding the line for America Buck Sexton is back
4: After the election, the defendants allegedly staged rallies to support the president-elect while simultaneously staging rallies to protest his election. For example, the defendants organized one rally to support the president-elect and another rally to uh, to oppose him,
2: both in New York
4: on the same day.
2: There you had Deputy Attorney General Rodenstein from a statement today after the indictment of the 13 Russians. As I said, by the way... Russians who will never be extradited to the United States so I'm I'm glad that justice will be served by indicting these guys who are in Russia and nothing is going to happen to them but anyway Uh, I know look you go on the record we show the Russian government you know don't don't do this kind of stuff and all the rest of it but yeah there you have it here's here's something that I want to want you all to keep in mind It's quite clear based on the timeline here. 2014 was when much of this got started. It is quite clear from the timeline that the purpose of the sock puppets and this... Remember, a sock puppet is a fake identity on Facebook, or I think people use it for Twitter, too. Um, And a a, a troll, you all know what a Twitter troll is. So it's really kind of the same thing. Uh, The reason they did all this was to create some degree of distrust and chaos in our political system but i just think it's a laughably inept effort to do that right i mean this would be like the equivalent of me running over i don't know some of you're like hey what the obama administration do in israel during its election but maybe we'll go there later but if if i showed up in a foreign country And I did a a printing of leaflets, you know, root for this candidate, not this candidate. This guy did these bad things. And I just started handing them out to people on the street. I'm sure I'd be violating some election law in that country. And fine. But would anyone really think that I would change the outcome of the election that way? Are elections such fragile things uh, that such a meager effort would have any impact on the outcome? And yet if cnn and msnbc were reporting on it they'd be like buck sexton interfering in the election in you know azerbaijan wherever right interfering in the election technically true but as i said to you with the voter fraud issue okay but we need some sense of context and scale some sense of how important this is you know it's also technically true that I committed a crime today. It is technically true. You could even say that today I, I branded myself a criminal because I jaywalked a couple of times because I'm in New York City and we all jaywalk. Would it be fair to call me a criminal because I jaywalked today? Is it, is it specifically, if you want to get really technical about it, did I break a law? Yes. Yes. But should I be locked up for that one? I really hope not because all the rest of my fellow New Yorkers are going to get locked up too. I think I'm trying to illustrate the point here. I, I hope it's uh, it's clear enough with what I'm trying to say. Uh, meanwhile, the press just wants to freak out at Trump.
1: the Mueller investigation, Mr. President, will you punish Russia? Do you feel vindicated, Mr. President? Will you punish Russia
5: Come to trying to steal the election, Mr. Mr. President? Will you, do do you, do you do punish Russia? Russia? Will you put you sanctions on Russia? Will you put sanctions on Russia, Mr. President? Mr. President. Yeah.
4: Mr. President, Mr. President,
2: will you put taxes on Russia? Mr. President, are you going to
5: respond to this Russian aggression? Will you put taxes on Russia?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's just let's just go to war with Russia over this, everybody. Let's just let's just get to it. The sock puppet Twitter troll war of 2018. These people are nuts. Most of them don't even know that the Communist Party during the Soviet Union was sending funds to various fellow travelers in the United States specifically so that they would publicize communist ideology, anti-American stuff. And by the way, they also infiltrated some major left wing publications with all that, but they don't like to talk about that. And they infiltrated the State Department. Look up Alger Hiss and a whole bunch of other places in the United States government. Again, not saying any of that's OK, But in the case of setting up some, you know, weekly communist rag that's printed in someone's basement somewhere in the 50s or the 60s, you know, I don't think they're about to overthrow the U.S. government with that. None of this stuff is new. It's just being exaggerated now because we all know why it is to make Trump's election illegitimate. That is the fundamental purpose of this entire thing. And to try and pretend it's anything else is, is preposterous. I, I want to know. I would like some of these people who go on TV. By the way, it's like CNN is just basically hiring anyone who's ever worked for... and Anyone who's ever worked for Mueller or James Comey is like finding employment and airtime over at CNN now. Isn't that curious? All these FBI and DOJ folks that with an axe to grind against the administration. Oh, they're just... They're just civil servants doing their duty, sir. Mr. President, will you sanction Russia? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Trump should have... Oh, man, he could have had some fun with that one. I think he just wanted to ignore it. But you have all these people now that are running around with this on TV and they're saying this stuff, and at the end of the day, they're doing Russia's work for them. Nothing could be more undermining about our elections than the storyline that CNN has been running with for over a year now and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post and many others, right? They are clearly convinced or willing to convince their fellow Americans that Trump cheated. That's what this is about, Trump cheated. Here's a fun thought experiment, folks, with the 13 Russians indicted today. Do any of you think that if Hillary had won the election... We would all be sitting here worried about the Russian intrusion into the next election? No. No. Remember how there was this moment in time some months back when they admitted, the press admitted that the Obama administration made a decision not to make a huge deal out of the Russian meddling, right? FBI knew about this. They knew there were these sock puppet accounts and stuff. Obama administration did make a big deal. How was it? That it wasn't such a big deal then, but now it is such an enormously big deal. How was it that we went from President Obama saying this?
0: What is it about our political system that made us vulnerable to uh, these kinds of potential manipulations, which, as I've said publicly before, were not particularly sophisticated? This was not some elaborate... uh, complicated espionage scheme they hacked into some democratic party emails
2: not an elaborate complicated espionage scheme i know that's specifically about the emails and not about the SOC, but it was all part of the same effort right and obama the president receiving the pdb every day the presidential daily brief he was clearly aware of this stuff he must have been made aware by the fbi and they decided not to make a big deal of it but yet That was then, it wasn't a big complicated espionage scheme. Now we are told things like this by former Justice Department officials.
6: If the indictment is to be believed and is proven, it looks like a pretty sophisticated operation. These groups functioned um, trying to present themselves as Americans, had enough uh, clout online to show some followers and and tried to get in touch at least on a couple of occasions with members of the Trump campaign and helped to organize Um, various kind of of rallies, both it looks like for and against Trump.
2: So what are we to do about that? What are we to make of it? How do you stop that? I would note. Are we going to have mandatory verification? I actually wish that social media did have mandatory verification. I wish that every person with a social media account had to, we all got to know who they were, exactly who's operating it, and there was none of this stuff. That actually be a great idea for like a new version of Facebook where everyone it has to be a real person. You got accountability. That would be great. I'm all in favor of it, but it's just not realistic. It's not the way that it works right now. So there's uh, there's no end in sight to this, folks. You know, I know Trump tweeted out that there was no collusion. He's correct. There's no collusion. Um, And I saw that uh, my old friend Kaylee McEnany was on Fox, and she said this is the end of the Russia collusion conspiracy. It's not the end of the conspiracy. It, I think she was implying it should be, and I would agree with that. But it is not the end at all. They will not stop. It is not going away. So this is the the big news that we get on on Friday. This continues on, and you know now you're going to have all kinds of talk about when the next shoe will drop in the Mueller investigation. Uh, I will note that there. I saw finally today some people on the left. Now that we got these 13 indictments out there. Some people who were uh, saying, well, I mean, nobody really took it seriously that there was collusion at the top level of the Trump campaign, because why would he be reaching out? Why would the Russians have contact with a C-list player, even in the Trump circle, like Carter Page and Papadopoulos? No matter what anyone says, those are low-level people in the campaign. If Trump is involved, why are the Russians interacting with them? That makes no sense. But they're just changing the story so that it seems like they're less crazy as this goes along, because eventually there will not be any more room for them to say, oh, there was Russia collusion. Oh, it's any day now. Uh, But until that day, we get to keep hearing not yet, not yet. They're on it. And the press will be asking the president, Mr. President, will you sanction Russia? Yeah, that's how this is going to go. Oh, by the way, it's Friday, so you know what that means? It's Action Movie Quote Friday. We're, it's in effect today. We're not Oh, yeah. Action.
4: You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
7: Movie. This is Sparta! Quote. Say hello to my new friend! Fridays. Action Movie Quote Fridays.
2: There you go. Actually moving quote Friday, everybody. Uh, all right, we got lines left. We'll get to some calls after the break. Stay with me. Hour two, we're gonna talk about this, whew, this FBI situation. They uh, they messed up big time, folks. We will get into that in the next hour. Stay with me.
4: Does this end today? Like is this over? for the Trump uh, campaign and any of the officials involved? I think
2: it's particularly good news.
4: It doesn't mean no, that that, that word is subject, is not subject to change, but at least on the available evidence at this point in the investigation, I think that the White House probably should justifiably breathe a sigh of relief, meaning that the secondary aspect of the mandate has not been proven. In other words, there's no evidence yet that has been developed, and this indictment would seem to be consistent with that, that would indicate that there was collusion by the mm-hmm. Trump campaign in. Right. in And Russian efforts to interfere and influence the 2016 presidential election.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's not over. That guy's right. It's not over. Gonna keep on just grinding on the background. Uh, Let's take Charles in Houston. What's up, Charles? Hey, Buck. How's it going, man? I'm good. Thank you for your call. Hey, I
3: just wanted to talk about informational warfare for part of it that's you know they're trying to they're trying to demonstrate you know there's no monetary value going back and forth at least none that uh, none that they have divulged to us right now but george soros spends all of his money he's a foreign national influencing super PACs and actually spending money so why aren't people up in
2: arms about that is soros so are they gonna go a u.s him? citizen i don't i'd have to check i think he is oh is a u.s citizen? i okay. think he is a u.s citizen but i mean okay he's also, he does not sound like a u.s citizen <laughs> because he is uh But you know, yes, he is a U.S. citizen. So okay, well, that I mean, then then that takes
3: that off the table, you know. But that's where I was going with that. Not sure,
2: not sure where we could go
3: there. But we'll we'll check. I I I, could,
2: I could be wrong. I mean, I. But but I also wonder, you know, he is a U.S. citizen. Yeah. yeah. I also wonder, Charles. at, At what point does this become so? So if it's an FEC violation, meaning it's a federal election commission violation for Russians to be trying to remember wage information warfare that's from the indictment which I've never even heard of as a crime before I'm not saying there's no such thing as information warfare but that's a very malleable term right uh Absolutely. so so can a can anyone now anywhere in the world set up an account where they're like you know my name my name is you know my name is Jim and I I live in America and and I I'm voting for so and so and it's actually some dude in I don't know, the Philippines or India or Turkey or, you know, who knows where. Right. And are, are they waging information warfare against the United States? It seems a little extreme.
3: Well, with an open Internet, you know, so if you're going to open Internet and go down that route. People can do whatever they want. Exactly. But even take the international flavor out of it. What if Buck Sexton tomorrow writes a blog post based on information of that moment, staying something, and then comes back six months later oh it was you know there was they found more information they come back and say well buck was spreading information warfare he's you know he's a he's a terrorist against the state he's domestic and where does the line get drawn with this yeah this is what i
2: I was amazed and i I got a lot of heat for this thing on twitter because i said this seems like weird overreach to me look i'm not saying that identity theft and and wire fraud or whatever aren't crimes i get that but the whole point about how information warfare is being waged by the russians here i'm like uh, they, information warfare, they were advocating for different political candidates in this country. We, we, by the way, we do all kind. The, the U.S. government openly does all kinds of stuff. We've got our pro-democracy organizations abroad. Guess what? A pro-democracy organization in a country that doesn't have democratic elections is, is influencing the country, right? I mean, we have all these different international institutions, so we're influencing countries all the time. I just think the information warfare concept is... Uh, that just kind of that strikes me a little weird you know if they just indicted these guys for identity theft they'd be like yeah okay fine information war uh, a conspiracy to defraud the united states government was what they was what they actually said in the indictment defraud the government how i mean defrauding the individuals who had their identity stolen fine but defraud the government because they were spreading ideas
3: Uh, that's called politics buck
2: yeah that's what i thought but are, are foreign – also, how about this? A lot of foreign media entities are state-sponsored. So is now yeah. a state-sponsored media entity that operates in this country? We were just talking about Al Jazeera earlier in the week, and they might have to register as a foreign agent, right? But there are a lot of foreign media entities. Does, does the Daily right. Mail, the U.K.-based Daily Mail, yeah. do, do they are they waging information warfare in this country if they spread a story that's a lie?
3: Or the the BBC, you're absolutely right. The BBC, that, that's government –
2: News. I mean, if they—that's government information. So, okay, so people say, well, those aren't hostile. Okay, so what about what about Chinese uh, state-sponsored media? What about like a Xinhua news agency? Are are they waging information warfare when they post stories on the internet in English and people share them here? I mean, I'm just trying to think this thing through beyond. Oh my God, Russia, and you know, it starts to get a little hazy, doesn't it?
3: Well, you're using, you're using logic again. You're trying to think of the bigger picture, not the immediate soundbite. You're trying to say, okay, if they say this, what does it mean for A, B, C, and D as well? You know, you're, you're thinking down the road and implications, right? You're not just yeah. going the, the Democrat mantra going, not our president, like you're pointing out before.
2: Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And Charles and Soros sends his regards. Have a, have a good weekend. You have a good weekend. A plan, Soros misses you. Bye-bye. Um, Kenny in Boston. Kenny, we got about – actually, we got like less than a minute, but uh, you've been on hold and everyone else is on hold. What do you got, Kenny?
3: I got a couple things. I got a quote, and I have um, a a thing about the uh, Russian blockbuster, as it's called. You know, What's the scariest thing about me is the timings and the patterns of these announcements and stuff. They come at a great time. So uh, is it possible that this uh, particular Russian thing was based on the fact that they they dropped the ball – on the uh, shooter investigation and that this story has actually been lying and waiting. You know, they just hastily threw this together or got the thing through and and all of a sudden, Oh yeah, guess what? We get the, uh, we we don't know when these, uh, indictments were laid down.
2: We are going to talk about, Kenny, thank you for calling. We're going to talk about the FBI, what we found out today about how they handled that tip. The FBI got a tip that could have prevented that shooting folks. So I, I had planned, team, welcome to our two of the Buck Sexton show. I had planned, because it was Friday, to move on to some other topics. I felt, I felt like we had uh, discussed what was necessary with regard to that terrible shooting in, in Parkland, Florida. I, didn't, I wasn't going to touch on the subject at all today. I didn't think it was really something we had, we had to do. I felt like we had covered it. And then this FBI statement comes out this morning. And I am, I, I am at a level shocked, but also not at all. You know, it, there's a part of me that wants to believe that the FBI is more on it than this. And then there's also a part of me that knows that federal bureaucracies and the federal government, it's what I said to you yesterday, that the government can't protect you all the time. And the government can't protect you that well a lot of the time. It's up to you. It's up to all of us. You got to protect each other. You got to protect yourself. Here's this FBI statement. I'll just read it to you, and then we'll, we'll get into what, what we're supposed to make of this. It's. Whew. On January 5th, 2018, a person close to Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter, contacted the FBI's public access line tip line to report concerns about him. The caller provided information about Cruz's gun ownership, desire to kill people, erratic behavior, and disturbing social media posts, as well as the potential of him conducting a school shooting. Under established protocols, the information provided by the caller should have been assessed as a potential threat to life. The information should have been forwarded to the FBI Miami Field Office where appropriate investigative steps would have been taken. We have determined that these protocols were not followed for the information received by the PAL on January 5th. The information was not provided to the Miami field office and no further investigation was conducted at that time. FBI Director Christopher Wray said, We are still investigating the facts. I am committed to getting to the bottom of what happened in this particular matter, as well as reviewing our process for responding to information that we receive from the public. It's up to all Americans to be vigilant, like I've been saying. And when members of the public contact us with concerns, we must act properly and quickly. We have spoken with victims and families and deeply regret the additional pain this causes all those affected by this horrific tragedy, All of the men and women of the FBI are dedicated to keeping the American people safe and are relentlessly committed to improving all that we do and how we do it. That's the statement. Uh, In terms of a foul-up, folks, in this situation, I'm having a hard time thinking how much bigger of a mess-up you could see from the FBI side than this. They received a name... With detailed information and a specific claim that this school shooter was likely to conduct a school shooting. And they just did nothing. Now, notice what happens when you put this in conjunction with the other story. And that was already concerning enough. That the youtube comment about i quote i want to be what he said i want to be a professional school shooter i'm going to be a professional school shooter end quote how that was flagged for the fbi the fbi met with the person who flagged it which i will note you know when they just do that and don't follow up and try to find the person who did it, it makes you think do i really want to do i really want to see something say something because all of a sudden i've got fbi guys who are like well how do you know this person you know what did you know what do you know about this look, I can understand from a normal person's point of view on this, you might say, uh, maybe I'm just not going to see something and say anything. But they had that information about the YouTube posting. In true name, Nicholas Cruz, spelled in a way that very few people in the country spell their name that way. I mean, if they had done an Instagram search of the name, okay, I'm not talking about some high-level... Super Secret Squirrel FBI stuff. We're not talking about, you know, rerouting spy satellites here, folks. If they had done an Instagram search of the name on the YouTube comment, they probably would have found the kid right away. I'm guessing there aren't a lot of Nicholas Cruises that are writing that kind of stuff and have photos of them all over the place with knives and guns and looking pretty aggressive and mutilated animals and all the rest of it, right? Right. So it, they fell down on that one and I was willing to say okay look a lot of comments there's a lot of stuff going on nothing, nothing's perfect and you know there's human error here and I understand that However when you have someone who is calling in to the FBI line with detailed information and a name about an individual who may be involved in a who may be soon to be a school shooter and the FBI does nothing what the heck is the point of the FBI's public access line? And you know, I do think it's unfair to immediately jump to a conclusion. That I saw a lot of people doing on social media, which is, oh well, you know, maybe they were doing, There was too much Russia, Russia investigation going on for there to be any resources put to this. I don't think that's fair. To different offices, different. But I do think. If someone had called into that tip line and said, you know, I I know the guy who offered to give the Trump campaign Hillary's hacked emails, I feel like that person would have gotten there would have been a callback and there would have been some action taken. I do think that's true. Which tells you something about the priorities these days of America's premier law enforcement agency. At least from the top down. You know, that that maybe that the influence that this collusion hysteria has had is deeper than we think but i'm surmising i'm uh, i'm theorizing on that one but you'll notice that there was this recitation of the mantra after this terrible school shooting of if you see something say something it's incumbent upon each each one of us to report to the authorities report to the authorities It was reported repeatedly and in detail. Everybody knew every red flag was seen and noted and spoken about. And what we get to here is, is there there nothing the government can do or would do to stop this? I think the answer is maybe. Even if they had followed up on this, maybe the intervention by the FBI to sit down with this kid and say, don't be a psycho killer. Uh, That might have had some effect. I don't know. You also could argue it would have accelerated the process, but it seems like there's very little hope. If they can't stop Nicholas Cruz from being a school shooter, what makes you think that they're going to stop the next one? This kid could not have been any more obvious, aggressive, blatant, leaving a huge trail for everybody. I mean... If we were to put this in terrorism terms, this would be like the guy who, you know, is walking around the back of the mosque saying, I I want to be a suicide bomber. I want to be a suicide bomber. And everyone knows and they interview him and everything. And he's on the FBI's radar. And then a couple months later, he's a suicide bomber somewhere. Yeah. That is pretty analogous to what happened here. This guy, all the flags were there. We saw them. We noted it. The FBI didn't pass it along, didn't didn't look into this. I would say this. I wonder what other tips were called into the public access line that, that did get followed up on. Were they looking into, you know, Medicare fraud in, in Florida? Were they, what were they spending their resources and time doing? Well, I guess they didn't even pass it on to the field office, so not to single out the Florida field office, but what were they spending their resources on? What could be a higher priority than at least looking into this? You know, they've, they've got the people they've got the people to run down the all the stuff we're seeing with Russia. We, look, we had this all this fanfare today, right? 13 indictments in rush uh, of, of Russians for setting up sock puppets. That's a whole lot less important than what what happened earlier this week in Florida. A whole lot less devastating. Not even the same universe, not even the same stratosphere of importance. And yet nobody looked into it. Um this is uh my friends this is not this is not good it does not look good for the FBI on this one um, it, it makes us feel it makes it feel like the whole see something say something campaign is just lip service you know see something say something has meaning maybe if you're talking about I don't know someone engaged in white-collar fraud somewhere or maybe Russia collusion but school shooting this didn't get this didn't get any resources or any attention whatsoever. I mean, human error. I-, I was willing to give the FBI some benefit of the doubt on the YouTube comment because I figured, okay, there's a lot going on. You know, they there's a lot of comments that are posted here and there. But that was because you didn't have a full picture. It was just Nicholas Cruz, a name and one comment on one YouTube clip. Okay. There's a lot of – any of you who have spent time in the comment sections of websites know – some pretty gross, scary stuff that people are saying and and all the rest of it. But this call, this call had everything. Quote, Cruz's gun ownership, desire to kill people, erratic behavior, disturbing social media posts, potential of him conducting a school shooting. The FBI could have followed up on this in two minutes. They could have looked at this kid's Insta- i mean, it was all there. They didn't even have to investigate, really. I mean, heck, they could have brought in a, a a high school kid and said, "Hey, this is what we were told. What do you think? You know, can you do a do a quick scrub of social media?" Could have brought in an intern. Would have been able to figure this out. Nothing. Uh, it lo- looks pretty bad for the FBI. I don't know what else to say. Now, I remember, I remember all the you know the the different. Uh, you know, the heat that the intelligence community got for, well, both WMD and Iraq, and then before that, missing 9-11. And I'm a believer in accountability for these massive and very powerful federal bu- uh, bureaucracies. I really am. And I don't know what accountability looks like for this because, whew, this is this is bad. You had Governor Scott of Florida saying the FBI director should resign. I think there's a, there's two philosophies on that point. On the one hand, you have people who will say, Pardon the phrase. The buck stops with the guy at the top. That would be Christopher Wray. So even though he had no direct ability to influence this, there has to be a show of accountability. Maybe. The other side of it is, are you really going to have the FBI director resign because of what employees far down the chain of command did not do? It has nothing to do with him. I tend to fall more into that category just because I, I don't think you can hold the head of an organization responsible for... Uh, incidental or or not incidental, but uh, aberrant one-off conduct. It's one thing if it's systemic and not caught, and there's a there has to be accountability for that. But, whoo, man, it, it's a bad, it's a bad day for the bureau. Um, I don't think there's any way around that. And I don't know. I, whew, it's tough, folks. Given the week we just had as a country what we all just went through, what we saw, what we heard, the videos, the footage, everything. And I was really hoping just for the purpose of a bit of uh, psychological recuperation, we'd just move past it today. And then this happens. The FBI, hey, I mean, they they, they came clean. Uh, so I guess there's that's a good sign, at least for some sense of accountability. But I don't know how they can miss a more obvious one than this. Uh, this is... This is, hey, I think a guy across the street is trying to build a truck bomb. Here's his name. I've seen photos of it. You can check it out online. He's been posting stuff about how he wants to build a truck bomb. You really should check this out. And the FBI doesn't, do, doesn't even begin to look at it? See something. Say something. Come on. What do you think? Being too harsh? Not harsh enough? What are we to make of this debacle at the Bureau? 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. We'll be right back. Herb in New Jersey, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, sir.
8: Dude, how are you?
2: I'm good, dude. How are you? How are you?
8: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, listen, I want your opinion on this uh, possible scenario. So, um, Mueller was charged with investigating the uh, possibility of Russian interference in our election, and lo and behold, today we get these indictments charging these individuals and organizations with violating various laws relating to the conduct of our election and other uh, charges. Um, So, uh, out of gratitude for a job well done, uh, President Trump Uh, declares the investigation successfully completed and rewards Mueller with an appointment to replace Ray as director of the FBI with the charge of cleaning up the mess that currently uh, embroils the FBI uh, because of things like the botched uh, Clinton email investigation and the, uh, uh, the dossier debacle that led to potentially bogus FISA warrant and now look at this mess in Parkland, Florida, where they dropped the ball and should have at least paid this guy a visit to talk to him.
2: Is, so is there is there a question in there, Herb? Or...
8: Well, I, I want to know, what do you think of that?
2: Of all that stuff? They mean the, all the things you're talking about?
8: Well, yeah, I mean, here, here's my, my suggestion was, suppose Trump declares that we have successfully completed the investigation into Russian meddling in our election. Okay. The indictments that were issued today, but he, but he can't, he
2: can't, that that doesn't work because the Mueller probe is still ongoing and Mueller's already said that.
8: Okay. Well, I missed that part. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking that, you know, uh, all along we've been hearing that the Russians meddled, the Russians meddled, the Russians meddled. And, and now we have the proof that the Russians meddled. And uh, in his statement today, uh, we heard, um, Uh, what's that guy's uh, uh, the the deputy director
2: Rosenstein
8: Rosenstein uh, made a very uh, uh, pointed uh, statement that uh, there were no and it's in the indictment also there there were no U.S. citizens who were knowing participants
2: yeah witting versus unwitting is the terms is the term they use yeah
8: Right, that's no collusion.
2: Yeah, but, the, but did you hear my whole thing, Herb, about yet? Because the, the left is not given yeah. up on this. They're just saying they haven't proven it yet. And what Rosenstein said is that, yeah, there's nothing in this indictment about that, but there could be another indictment or even a superseding indictment with more of it. But I, I hear you, Herb. I appreciate you calling in from New Jersey, and thank you for sharing your thoughts here on the show. Uh, all right. Mark in Waynesboro, Virginia. Hey, Mark.
1: Hey, Buck, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, so in America, there used to be a time when men that were in the high positions of power, whether they were generals or government officials, if 17 innocent, precious American children died on their watch, at a bare minimum, that individual would resign, and in some cases, out of honor— that individual would go out into the woodshed in the backyard and either hang themselves or shoot themselves. Now, we had an athletic director and a football coach down there in um, Florida that without a second thought gave their life to protect those innocent kids. But look at the classlessness of Director Ray. Look at the complete despicable behavior of all of these bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., They have proven that not only are they corrupt, but they have absolutely no interest or desire whatsoever to do their job to protect the American people. And that's with a budget of money that is an ungodly sum of money to any of us. You had asked if you thought that he should resign or if somebody lower down the chain should be held accountable. What's astonishing, Buck, is no one has been held accountable yet. And you and I both know, Buck, that no one will be held accountable. And in the absence of honorable men in this fraudulent federal government in Washington, D.C., the American people are going to do nothing but suffer under this joke of a federal government up there.
2: Mark, I appreciate you calling in, man. I will say that I think that uh, Nicholas Cruz will be held accountable, but that will be not nearly enough justice under the circumstances. Um we got to roll into a quick break here, folks. When we come back, we will have much more. Uh, By the way, if you want to throw any thoughts at me on Russia, on the FBI's mess up here, or even if it's Friday, you can give me an action movie quote if you're so inclined. I was hoping to have a bit of a lighter show today, but the news uh, conspired against me. The news colluded against me. We'll be back. All right, team lines are lit. Let's get to them. We have Todd in Greenboro. Hey, Todd.
7: Hey, how you doing, Buck?
2: I'm all right. Thank you for your call.
7: I just want to ask freaking, what's the last caller want from his government? 350 freaking million people in this freaking country, and what, he wants to he, he wants somebody to control everybody? What? What are we going to do? But on top of that, the shooting, how are you going to correct it? It's all pointing fingers one way or another. Oh, it's his fault. No, it's their fault. No, it's it's your fault, homie. It's your fault. Freaking the American public needs to realize it's your fault. These are your kids out here pulling triggers, freaking because you are weak.
2: Well, That's I mean maybe point. it's it's I think you could say that it's it's our responsibility to keep our children safe. It's the fault of the shooter, Nicholas Cruz. And I do think that there is uh there's reasonable criticism of the FBI's failure to follow up on a very specific tip about exactly what happened here but there's a currently an environment of everyone running around just trying to hang whatever their political issue is on this like a christmas tree i mean it's just terrible i mean there there's so much grandstanding and nonsense and uh, that's not helpful at all and, and look and even when i mean i know i had i had a guest on yesterday talking about greater security at schools Here's here's just something that's just reality. I'm sure, and I know you know this, Todd. Somebody has an AR-15, and they're planning out a a mass slaughter of civilians, and and they know they know the area well. They know the target well. They understand who's going to be there, where they're going to be, and they're just trying to kill innocent people. You could have had fifty armed guards there, and at best, you might have had a faster response time and a fewer casualties. But people were almost. It, there was no way that you weren't going to take casualties once the shooter got on the grounds and had an AR-15 in his hands. It's just, it's just not realistic to think otherwise.
7: Correct, but can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Is it, is it a question of security, or is it a question of your government? Well, I, I mean, well, it kind of rolls in together, but, I mean, security in schools, we put more security on our, in our banking system than we do on our children. I mean, who are the greatest teachers? Who are the greatest teachers in America? That's one question. That would be American special forces. They jump into other countries and teach them how to kill people. They are the greatest teachers in America. Now you've got retired freaking green berets all over the East coast, all over America. Could you not put them in a school, have them have a weapon on them, and they could stop this mess? It's security. It's not freaking your government. What are we doing? What are we doing?
2: Right, well, the answer is, I think, by the way, Todd, we're not, we're not going to do very much. I think we're probably going to do nothing in the aftermath of this that's different from what we're already doing. I appreciate you calling in. I appreciate your passion. Thank you, sir. Have a good weekend. Al in Colorado, welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. <laughs> Shields high, Buck. Shields high, Al. I I I
0: want to offer a solution. Uh, first of all, they, they ought to they ought to stop giving every federal employee uh, an automatic uh, em- employment until retirement. They ought to be able to fire them, and they can't.
2: Yeah, uh, civil service firing is almost impossible. I've talked to people about this before. If you if you show up on time for your job. Leave on time and don't break the law. It is very hard to fire a civil servant.
0: Right. And don't punch your boss in the nose. Uh, <laughs> that, that, my, my solution, my solution is, is you know, the, the, the problem, the problem lies in that uh, you, you notify the FBI that uh, so-and-so is, 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 is a bad guy. The FBI goes out and, and says, howdy, um, what you doing? He says, nothing. The FBI can't do
2: anything because he hasn't done anything yet. Well, that that's a good point. That's what I've been saying. Let let's say Al, that that the the FBI had not. Let's say the FBI had not uh, failed to, as it as it admits, failed to uh, follow protocol here, and they had met with Nicholas Cruz. They'd sat down with him and they'd said, "Hey, we see all this stuff. We're hearing some very bad things about you." They can't lock him up based on anything that I have seen. Oh, Oh, you're right. And, right. and so if, if he's really committed to this, he may say, oh, wow, the FBI visited me. They're on to me. You know, I better go. They can't. And then people have said things like, why can't we put them under surveillance? You're, you're not going to put oh. every every wacko in the country yeah. under 24 hour surveillance because you just can't. You don't have the resources, the time or the manpower. There's right. no way you'd be able to pull that off. And you also then get into a whole question about, well, how can you put somebody under 24 hour surveillance if they haven't actually committed a crime yet? Right? These are the problems okay, exactly. of living in a free society, my friends. You know, the rule of law sometimes means that uh, things like this are, uh, are complicated.
0: Buck, I've got a solution. Here's my solution.
2: I'm listening.
0: Okay. Um, uh, authorize these FBI guys when they, when they go out and they find this young man, um, and he is a, he is a man at 19. He's definitely a man, um, And you take him, and you put him in the car, and you drive out to the nearest prison, and they're all over Hell's Half Acre. You take him to the nearest prison, and you say, we're just going for a visit. And you're walking through there, and you show him these miscreants in the prison and say, uh, which which one would you like to be the uh, boy toy for?
8: And this is
2: uh, this is some version, I think, Al, go. of the, the I believe it was MTV, and Al, thank you for calling her from Colorado. I believe it was MTV that did a version of, a, did a show called Scared Straight, where they would bring juvenile delinquents into a very frightening prison and have them, I, I, rem, I mean, I remember watching this, so I know it's a thing. I think it was called Scared Straight, uh, but they would scream at them in prison to get the juvenile delinquents to stop their, their, Delinquent ways, basically. And they had guys who—I mean, I remember they, there was some very—how uh, do I put this? Some some salty language was used by the convicts to really to really bring the point home. Um, I want to. There's a, a little bit of a feud going on right now, a feud brewing that we'll have some fun with here, where CNN is calling out by name on TV. One of your, I'm guessing, favorite senators. Certainly, I'd say he's in your top 50 senators for sure. Maybe your top five. Maybe your favorite. But definitely your top 50. Who is that senator? And what is the feud? If you stay through the break, you will find out all of these things. So I, I just want to tell you a bit about how CNN likes to present the gun control debate on, on, on air. I remember many years ago after the Newtown shooting. Friend of mine was asked by producers over. This is before I worked there. Friend of mine was asked at CNN to present the pro Second Amendment point of view, and he was on a show with a live audience. They didn't tell him that. They also didn't tell him that during the show he would be asked to stand up and give the Second Amendment point of view, surrounded with the parents of Newtown victims. That was how they wanted to, you know, structure things. They thought that was. The way to go. That wouldn't in any way influence his feelings about making his point of view. They would have parents standing next to him who were crying, understandably, who were heartbroken about what had happened. And he was supposed to be the one defending the right to bear arms, standing right next to them. That was how they That was how they wanted to do it. Uh, CNN, and that was Piers Morgan's show, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, which I'm sure is no surprise to any of you, that Piers Morgan would take that approach. He is He is uh, aggressively ignorant on the issue of gun control and the Second Amendment um, and still weighs in on this issue all the time. Uh, He might be great on other things. He might be a really nice dude. I don't know. Point is, he's not right on the Second Amendment. Uh, But CNN also wants to go after people like Ted Cruz, for example, and say that Ted Cruz is, well, we have the clip.
7: We invited Republican senators... Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, why he's from Texas, because he talks about this issue a lot. We invited the governor to come on the show this morning. They declined. Uh, we say let's get after it. It's not a slogan. It's an approach. You have to take these issues on. You've got to ask the tough questions. You must be held accountable. Rubio says this is an inexplicable tragedy. That couldn't be less true. Governor Scott is actively fighting right now to penalize doctors who even ask patients in their state if they have firearms, where are they? They won't come on here. They're on Fox News this morning. The mothership. So they won't be pressed about gun control. What are they afraid of?
2: Yes. What are they afraid of? Well, here's the problem with that. Hmm. A little issue. Uh, Ted Cruz says that he gave a 15-minute exclusive interview to CNN that they just never aired. So it seems pretty unfair, doesn't it, to have a CNN anchor saying that Ted Cruz is scared to talk about gun rights. Notice how gun control is what some people say, gun rights is what other people say. The language always gives you such a a sense of which side of the issue one person is going to be on. Ted Cruz had appeared or had called, and they just didn't use the interview. I would note that I had the I had the experience of doing a CNN show for Brian Stelter once, an interview on terrorism, and Stelter thought he had a big gotcha moment, and it was because I said that something was Islamic terrorism, and it was going to be that I it was too early. Turns out I was just right, Uh, and they gave me the they did we did the whole interview, and it it was supposed to air on a Sunday. We interviewed on Friday. They just never told me anything, never aired it, and pretended that there was breaking news on a sunday which is why they couldn't air it you see these are the games fake news plays this is this is how they operate folks it's all journalism integrity and honesty when it suits them to say so but when it comes down to it it's just all a show it's not journalism it's activism and they're always trying to protect some very fragile egos and very flimsy intellects over there Nonetheless, I would love to see Ted Cruz go on uh, go on CNN and talk gun control with any of their anchors. It would be a wipeout. My advice to any of those CNN anchors would be uh, save yourself the humiliation. And I'm sure, I have a feeling they will. But this was not just some one-off thing. They actually were running a graphic on TV, um, so they were presenting it as though it were news unwilling CNN ran a graphic unwilling to appear on CNN what are they afraid of this was a, a full screen on CNN's air national channel across the country Governor Rick Scott Senator Marco Rubio Senator Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz is like that's bull I'll come on your show anytime and talk about this issue in fact I did for 15 minutes in interview already with you and you just chose not to run it and now you're going to call me a coward how much dirtier and more dishonest do you think they can really get? Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Mike in Alabama. Got some thoughts, what's up, sir?
1: Uh hey, buck, this is Mike in Alabama Shield Tie.
2: Shield Tie, Mike?
1: Uh I don't know in regards to the the Florida shooting, I don't know if there's a direct uh, way it would be applicable, but I do know that in Florida they have a thing called the Baker Act. And uh it allows for involuntary uh I don't know if it's incarceration. Right
2: Institutionalization, word, but, I think, is the word you might be looking for.
1: Yeah, uh, for someone that's got mental health issues, and it doesn't necessarily mean they've uh, committed a crime of any sort yet. Uh, from what I understand, both of the the guys' parents were deceased, so that may have been a reason why they couldn't go with the Baker Act. I think law enforcement can initiate that as well i I could be
2: wrong no there there is and and Mike, I won't pretend to be an expert in the, in the legal process or the specifics of it state by state, but there I know there are ways that you can have somebody involuntarily committed to a mental institution if they prove to be a harm to themselves or to others, but that is a it is a high bar, and I have to say it's generally with with very good reason that it's a high bar right I mean could you imagine people that just need some help? you wouldn't want them to be Uh, sent away to a mental institution and also it leaves a a mark on on a person's record you will never be able to get a gun after that legally you will never so it's there but it's it's tricky with this guy do i think that there probably could have been a case i'd have to bring a psychiatrist with uh with background and how the state functions on this on the show my my gut tells me that you probably could get this guy uh, sent away for sent away to a mental. I mean, you know, we before the shooting, it would have been sent away to get help. Now it's you know sent away for life, if not into the into a uh, lethal injection room. But yes, at this point, yes. yeah, at this point. But you know, beforehand, it would have been sent away to get him help, and, and I, I think that it's there. But I look, it used to be a lot easier to do that, and they've changed the laws. The ACLU has fought like mad against involuntary institutionalization uh you know to to elevate the standards it's one of the reasons why i mean look i'm here in new york city and i see severely mentally ill people they're usually uh the home they're usually homeless and you see them and they're doing things on the street and it's very clear they're severely mentally ill but unless they're a danger to themselves or others you generally can't get them committed and part of the problem is that by the time it's clear they're a danger to themselves or others it's too late you know what i mean Sometimes the yeah, first time it's clear cool, is man. when they've, you know, cracked a rock over some old lady's head for no reason. So it's so there's no there's I keep saying this because it's true. There's no easy answers, Mike. All right. Rock and Roll, thank you for calling in, my friend. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you and have have a good weekend. Um and it's it has been quite a week. You notice that the, they don't talk about this very much either. Uh, the market's actually had a really good week. I feel like last week everybody was Oh my gosh! The bottom's falling out of the market. What are we gonna do? Now, everyone's like, yeah, it's it's coming back. It'll be all it'll be all right. But that's good. That's a good thing. I'm trying to find the positives. Uh oh. CNN reporting. Playmate's alleged affair with the president. I haven't read this. Have you guys read the story yet? Oh, you have. All right. I'll have to. Re- I didn't read this one today. I was busy with the Russia and the and the FBI stuff. Um. This, this is one of these things where the, the media will, I'm not going to say it's not a story, but they're going to run with this story for as long as they can. And I think this affects the Trump base. I think it's probably a zero one way or the other. I don't think they care. Nope. So we will see. Uh, this is just kind of where we are now and the way we deal with uh, political, uh, poli- not political scandals, but politicians' personal scandals, You know, whether you believe it or not. Still is not going to have an effect. Uh, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, we will talk about immigration coming up, because I think that that is a subject that we can uh, get some greater clarity on after it was so pushed aside this week by some of the other major events that had happened. Uh, we'll also have a friend join to talk to us about an interesting program in, well, a, a research that shows that School choice may help lessen criminality, uh, which you can imagine that I'll have all kinds of interesting discussions going forward. I wish that they'd get back on the school choice issue at the uh, the national level. It has not been something that's been a part of Trump's agenda. And we will uh, have some of your thoughts via roll call. We'll have kind of an extended session. We'll spend at least a solid segment of roll call coming up. It reminds me, by the way, facebook.com slash bucksexin if you want to share thoughts. Also, we always post stories and more on BuckSexton.com. Uh, please do check it out. Uh, we'll be getting into that and a whole bunch of other things. And then, by the time our third hour is done, folks, and you listen to it, your weekend gets to begin. So that's exciting. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a moment to uh, say before, our, uh, before I bring in some esteemed guests here, I just find it so disappointing uh, the way people get so nasty to each other over the whole Russia investigation thing. And particularly, look, I, I expect the left to act like a bunch of maniacs. A lot of them have staked their their careers at some level. Not really. I mean, people will forget. But they've staked their credibility uh, on there being really an impeachment that comes out of all this. They think they're going to take, the media believes they're going to make right the election by taking down the Trump presidency with this narrative that will lead to an impeachment, so there's a lot of you know, there's a lot going on here, but it just bums me out to see the different people who are involved in all this who are just uh just nasty and they're conservatives, you know they somehow believe this, they've somehow bought into this. And they refer to other conservatives as as Trumpists or Trumpers because they don't think that the President of the United States had some, hatched some conspiracy with the Russians to just, the whole thing is so nuts. And it is, you know, it is problematic. It is troubling. Uh, It is really bothersome to me. That we have reached this point now where you can 't even really have a, a civilized discussion about this you can't even you know you have uh, you have Adam Schiff making uh, quite clear what the real goal is here. Play clip seven for me for a second
4: The president's conduct was so incompatible with office that they needed to vote to remove him. Uh, It is going to be important for people to know that that was not something that we were seeking from the very beginning because of what this will put the country through. So I I think early talk about impeachment before we finished our investigation um, makes that case more difficult if the evidence comes to support it. And we need to let Bob Mueller do his job. And a big part of what I consider my job right now is making sure we stay the hell out of Bob Mueller's way.
2: Because they want to impeach Trump. <laughs> I mean, this is, it is this starts to get to be uh, pretty preposterous here. I mean, they there there's a reason there's a reason that they're so set on this Mueller investigation. So we so we know that some Russians some Russians have been indicted, and it's not going to change anything. There might even indict some more Russians. Not going to change anything. We've we've known about this for a long time. We have been hearing about Russia interference in the election for a year and a half and you'll notice no one ever has some policy in mind for it no one ever has a solution they want to talk about this is just all about trump which i can kind of handle at some level but i also feel like you know because i know i expect this but i just feel like what's with these conservatives they really would rather they, they want they want to they want to be right on this one in that trump Betrayed his country. That would make them feel better. They'd be happier with a future in which we have, I guess, a, a Pence. By the way, it's not like they would accept Pence as a replacement for Trump. If, in fact, they did repeat and remove Trump from office, they would say the whole thing was illegitimate. They, they would uh, they, it would cause a crisis of governance and a crisis of confidence in our governing institutions in this country, the likes of which certainly has never occurred before in my lifetime but it's just disappointing there's a, there's a childishness in the media on this issue that it's it's just gross it feels icky anyway uh, we're going to talk more about what's going on with immigration here in a second i've i've been saying to you that you know some big stuff happened this week on the issue of immigration it's not like this just uh we should just skip over it uh, so i wanted to bring in uh, our friend Mark Kricorian from the Center for Immigration Studies. I know it's Friday, and we're going to be talking policy kind of late on a Friday, but yeah, you know, hey, we're we're always we're always focused on what matters here, folks, or at least most of the time. Sometimes not really. When I'm screaming uh, and pretending to be a, a journalist, yelling at at Trump, maybe that's not. Or or my Soros impression, which by the way, I feel like I don't get enough appreciation. I think my Soros is pretty good. Like I think it's if you listen to Soros. You know, he sort of sounds like this, and he has, he'll talk about the markets and the things that the market is doing. And I feel like that's kind of, listen to some Soros audio. That's pretty close. It's not perfect. Gosh, everyone's a critic, you know? It's like somehow my Hillary impersonation, which sounds nothing like Hillary, everyone is like, you're spot on. You know, somehow that's
7: perfect!
2: But my Soros, which, which if I called you and left the message on your machine, you may in fact believe was Soros. You just, you're you're rejecting that one. It's just not fair, folks. It's just not fair at all. Uh, Sorry, we've got my, thank you, my Bernie, Bernie Sanders. I wish he would run again just so I could do Bernie all the time. Be like, hey, it's Bernie's night and the mood is right for socialism. You know, we'd have so much fun with the burn. I, I kind of miss the burn. He was a great character to work into things. Him and if you remember Janet Napolitano, Big Sis, you know, talking about homeland, talking about the border, strip searching guys that are trying to get drugs in the country, and the whole thing, Janet Napolitano. You know, there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different characters. All right, all right. We're going to get into some serious stuff for a minute. We've got our friend uh, Mark Coryen joining. Also, I wanted to bring in uh, a friend and a contributor to The Federalist, Ines Felcher, who's going to talk about how school choice has, a dr- has been shown. It's not proven yet, but there's some studies that show dramatic impact on crime, as in it reduces it very much. We will get into that and much more in just a couple of minutes here, team. Stay with me.
6: I am optimistic. One of the reasons why I'm so optimistic is the president did something that many of us found surprising and very intriguing. He said that he was willing to support a path to citizenship, a
0: 12-year path to citizenship for DACAs, for these dreamers.
2: So is immigration reform dead or not? Where are we with all this? We've got somebody who can uh, shed a lot of light on this. We have Mark Krikorian with us. He is from the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. He's the executive director. Mark, always good to have you on the program. Glad to be here. Thank you. All right. First, can you just update us on what happened? I mean, immigration kind of got pushed aside, even though it's probably the single most important policy issue facing the Trump administration right now. Kind of pushed aside this week, but some stuff happened. What happened this week with Congress? Well, the uh, president had uh, submitted
6: some an outline of what he would like Congress to pass. Um, In other words, amnestying the Dreamers, and he actually increased it to amnestying up to almost 2 million people, not just the one with the DACA work permits from Obama's illegal program, but a million extra. These are people who came here illegal, but they came as minors. Um, He tried to sweeten the deal by by adding up, by uh, asking for an amnesty for almost 2 million people in exchange for changes to... Chain migration policy so that only husbands, wives, and little kids can be brought here from abroad, not other relatives. Getting rid of the visa lottery which is literally a lottery we give green cards out at random to people across the world, and funding for the wall and other enforcement measures. That was a package. Congress, uh, in the Senate specifically, had four measures. One of them was that, and then a couple others that were much weaker brought them all up for a vote. What the uh, majority leader in the Senate said is, look, let's just have a free-for-all here. You, whatever you guys can put together, bring it up for a vote see if it gets the 60 votes it needs to pass the filibuster rule. All four measures failed. This was on Thursday. None of them passed. And the Senate basically has decided uh, that, you know, they're finished with this. They've got other things to do. And now it's up, I guess, to the House of Representatives to see if they pass something that Amnesties these DACA young people. They're not kids, but 20s and 30-year-olds, illegal immigrants. Um, and um, that's kind of where it is now.
2: So, but even if the House does pass something, it still has to get through the Senate, right? So sure, it, seems, right, yeah. it seems to me pretty unlikely, Mark, that this is actually going anywhere. Yeah, I think
6: it is, quite frankly. And um, the reason there was uh, an urgency to do something about this is that the president canceled the DACA program which was illegal to begin with under Obama. President said he was going to pull the plug on it on day 1. He waited till day 200, but he finally did pull the plug on it and March, the beginning of March is when the program expires because they gave him a grace period and people would start losing their work permits. So there was this idea that they had to get it done by then. Well, Several court rulings, outrageous court rulings, actually, said the president couldn't do that. Um, In other words, he couldn't cancel a memo. That's all it was, a memo from a previous administration. Supreme Court's going to strike those down, almost certainly. So at some point, people with work permits are going to start losing their work permits. They're going to expire. And I think once that happens, maybe there'll be some more interest in doing something on this. But... Probably not. So I think um, they're the, the, what this really boiled down to is that the Democrats and some of their Republican pro-immigration allies valued keeping chain migration very high. In other words, they were unwilling to cut immigration by a couple hundred thousand a year rather than uh, amnesty, you know, these young people who grew up here. They made the choice that it was more important to them to let these young people who grew up here lose their work permits and go back to becoming regular illegal aliens than it was to um, reduce immigration back to the level it was in the 1980s. It's not even very radical.
2: We're speaking to Mark Kikori, an executive director of the Center for Immigration Studies here. Mark, can, can you give me some clarity on, on what we know about illegal immigrants specifically and crime. And what because I've seen some articles here and there that are saying that like a large percentage of federal crimes are committed by illegal aliens. Do, do we have good data on that? What can you tell me about the numbers?
6: There's no, nobody has good data on this. There's studies all over the place, but none of the data is particularly good. And what um, the there's no question that Illegal immigrants make up a hugely disproportionate share of the federal prison population. But remember, most people in jail are in state prisons. That's where most of the crimes are punished. Right.
2: You're a burglar, you stab somebody, you go to state prison.
6: Right. Exactly. Um, That having been said, there's been research that suggests immigrants might be less likely to be involved in crime but again the data is terrible on this it no people don't want to know the FBI does not do a good job of collecting data on this one does a recent report by a scholar named John Lott LOTT who's done a lot of work on the uh, gun issues. oh yeah I know
2: well, John we have had him on the show
6: yeah he got a data source from Arizona which specifically in other words from their state prison that specifically does ask legal status And he found a very disproportionate rate of criminal activity on the part of illegal immigrants specifically. So that's an important finding, but it's just one finding. This is something that the
2: powers that be
6: literally don't want to know the
2: answer. Well, well, that was my next question. Uh, How is it possible, Mark, that we have people who are in custody and yet we don't have numbers about how many of those who are in the government's custody are actually illegal aliens? That just seems... Unfathomable to me. They, They keep all kinds of data on the prison population.
6: Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not saying they don't know in each individual case. But remember, if you know a fact about the various people you arrest, but you don't enter it into your computer system, then it doesn't matter if it's on a piece of paper. No one can ever really know it. You can't use that data for analysis. It's kind of like with these DACA people we were talking about. A lot of them use translators to fill out their applications. They're supposedly so assimilated, they're so Americanized, that we need to give them citizenship, and yet a lot of them don't even know English. And so it would be good to know what percentage don't know English. You know what? It's on the form. But they never entered it into the computer, so there's no way to know.
2: There was a, a program that was... Thing with crime. This, there was a program, Mark, that was talked about, briefly at least, by the White House earlier this week, that would have changed the Supplemental Nutritional, uh, Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, better known as Food Stamps, by uh, having a, a food box, essentially, as part of the benefit, so it wouldn't be entirely the equivalent of cash, which is what an EBT card right. is right now. And I, I, people were asking me this, and I, I said, look, I, I don't really have the answer for you, and so I wanted to pose it to you. Do we have good numbers on, uh, on either immig- immigrant usage of federal welfare and or illegal alien usage of federal welfare? We
6: actually do, and we're, we seem to be, the Center for Immigration Studies seems to be the only people who ever used it. Let me explain. There is... Um, information from Census Bureau surveys on whether people have used government benefits but it seems that it was underestimated that's usually where the data comes from that's what we've used at the center when we report this well there's a different survey which for technical reasons is much more difficult to use which specifically is about use of government programs and what we found was we, we the first people who ever looked at that to figure out what immigrant welfare use is we found out that Families headed by a foreign-born person, this is legal or illegal, put together, about half of them use at least one government welfare program. 51% is what we found. Um, And it's really pretty remarkable. Illegal immigrants um, are, I, I don't have the number in front of me, it's slightly lower because the illegal immigrants themselves are not eligible, but their children are eligible. And if you get an EBT card to go shop at the grocery store, the four-year-old is not going to the grocery store with that. In other words, he's get—you're getting it on his behalf because he's a U.S. citizen born here,
2: but he's not doing the. Shopping. So, so an illegal can almost be the custodian of the federal benefits for yeah. the legal child, right? Right,
6: not almost, but literally it is okay. <laughs> and, and it's not like the kid is the only one eating the food. You know what I mean? Um, so, so these benefits. Uh, are widely used even by illegal immigrants, and it's not because anybody's ripping off the taxpayer. The fact is, almost all of these families, immigrant families, legal or illegal, who are getting government benefits, they're people working in that family. It's just that they're a mismatch for our economy. They're low-skilled people, and they can't earn enough money to feed their own children, literally. So the question is not so much how do we keep immigrants from using welfare the more important question is why are we letting people in who are incapable of earning enough money to feed their own children
2: And Mark, before we let you go, it seems to me that perhaps with the way Trump has approached immigration reform up to this point, he may have exposed something, which which you also alluded to, I believe, before, which is that it's actually not necessarily DACA recipients who are the crown jewel of the Democrats' immigration reform desires. It may actually be chain migration, which I've noticed they're now calling family-based migration.
6: Which is one of the terms for it. It's just the chain migration is also a long used normal term, which they're trying to make, you know, somehow uh, problematic or un-PC. But no, I think you're right. The goal here, or let me put it this way, the more important thing is to keep immigration going indefinitely into the future. The DACA young people, I mean, they're happy if they could get them green cards. Sure, they're not against that. Uh, but if they don't, but I mean, if the price of that is giving up an unending flow of immigration in the future. Remember, last year we had 1.2 million people got green cards. If that's the price, if reducing that down to say eight or nine hundred thousand or six or seven hundred thousand is, if that's the price, then they're not going to pay it. They're okay with these DACA people losing their work permits because the more important issue is keeping immigration going indefinitely at as high a level as possible.
2: Real quick, you don't expect any major legislation on immigration this year. Is that fair to say?
6: Yeah, I think, I mean, I may be wrong, but yeah, I, I, if you were, if I were a betting man, I would bet lunch on nothing
2: happening. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm putting my chips right next to yours on the table. I think the same is true. Everybody, Mark dot CIS.org for the Center for Immigration Studies work. It's a great site. They do fantastic stuff. Mark, have an excellent weekend. Thank you for joining. You too. Thanks. Bye. Team, we're going to roll into a quick break. We'll be uh, back with an interesting study that very few people know about that I think has implications for a lot of stuff. When it comes to uh, schools in this country and when it comes to violence, in fact, in this country and criminality and how schools can play a role perhaps in lessening all of that. I know I'm speaking in very generic terms because I want our expert to inform you. So stay right there. All right. So we talk about school choice among conservatives with some regularity. It hasn't gotten a lot of attention in the uh, Trump era, but I think it's something that we should refocus on. And there actually is some research out there that shows it may have benefits beyond just the usual test scores, math reading and all of that. It could actually have a much bigger societal impact. Uh, but I have to bring on the expert to talk about this. And we have Inez Felcher with us now. She is a contributor to The Federalist. Inez, great to have you on.
5: Thanks for having me, Buck.
2: All right. So tell me about this research. I've heard you speak about it briefly before, but apparently it's something that ties together behavior and school choice in ways that really would matter to broader society.
5: Right. Exactly. I think it's it's really important to think about the broader implications. I think actually behavioral implications and um, societal or community implications are actually a lot more important to our daily lives than things like test scores, although I'm happy to go through the evidence that shows that school choice raises math and reading scores. um, The evidence that I want to talk to you about today is actually these two studies that came out fairly recently, one about a charter school in New York, in Harlem, and the other about the Milwaukee voucher program, which is the longest running modern school choice program in the nation. Um, the first study is, uh, pr- comes from both Harvard and Princeton, a joint study, um, and it was on the Promise Academy Charter School in Harlem. And it actually found that um, enrolling in this charter school versus a matched public school student dropped uh, the crime rate or the incarceration rate to zero, right? So it reduced it by 100%. If we were talking about some kind of big government program, right, um, I'm sure that that would be on every paper. Um, The the New York Times would have a lot to say about a big government program that reduced crime by 100 percent.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, can you just repeat exactly? You're telling me that if people enrolled in this, uh, students enrolled in this school in New York City, the crime reduction for those students was 100 percent. That's pretty astonishing.
5: Right for boys, it didn't do as much for girls, although it did reduce their crime as well. But they commit girls commit far fewer crimes than boys do to begin with. Um, but I feel like I'm
2: being woman splained right now, but that's okay.
5: <laughs> uh, we all have our advantages. Um, anyway, the second piece of evidence is a study from the University of Arkansas, um, which has a whole department that studies the effects of school choice. And it's on this very long running voucher program that started in 1991, which is why we can actually go ahead and do longitudinal studies on kids as they get into their they graduate from high school and get into their 20s. And as it turns out, there were enormous effects of the voucher program um, on all sorts of criminal measurements, so felony convictions for kids in the program versus a matched public school student fell by almost 80%. Okay, drug crime was down by 93%. theft, 87%. I mean, I think we get the picture, right? These are massive effects that we haven't been able to replicate with any of the big government programs that we have, either in education or um, in the crime prevention arena. Right. And and, and right. Especially this week, people
2: are asking a lot of questions Inez, about what can we do with troubled youth and how do we prevent, you know, problems from those who slip through the cracks and everything. It sounds like this is at least uh, an an area that is worth pursuing more, which is does school choice have an effect, a massive dampening effect on violence? Yeah,
5: absolutely. And, And I think it also circles back to the main point, which is, People care about the values that their kids are learning in school, right? It's not, of course, we all want our kids to to learn how to read and to do math, um, but the values are equally important. Shaping a child's character used to be a large part of education, and increasingly in the public school system or in the traditional public school system, that's either something they don't pay any attention to at all, Or, um, you know, it's controlled by one left-wing point of view, and parents are left, if they have different values, are left with very few options about, you know, if they can't afford to send their kids to a private school on their own dime, um, they can't homeschool because mom and dad both work, right? Uh, They have very, very few options uh, to find a school or an education for their kid that actually fits with their values. And this is something conservatives should be especially concerned with, right? Um, Our ideology is going to die out if we keep sending 90% of our kids to the public school system that teaches them to be left-wingers, right? Um, And that's, you know, some of that we can counteract at home, but not all of it. And so it's incredibly important that we get these choices that then have so much of an impact, not just on test scores, but on things like families on communities on crime rates on values things that conservatives normally like to talk about
2: yeah crime behavior violence and society at large if, if schooling can have an, an effect on this a very positive effect on this and, and school choice in particular it would seem like that's an area that should get a lot more attention uh, under from the administration and and from the media at large but as we know teachers unions not so much a fan of this stuff in as from what i understand <laughs>
5: Uh, Absolutely not. Uh, Teachers unions basically resist all uh, change to the education system, even though pretty much everyone agrees that the education system is failing our kids. The unions have this constant refrain, which is, if you give us more money, we'll make it better. Right? We've we've been giving them more money, both on the federal and the state levels, for basically 40 years, and they haven't done better. In fact, the problem has in many ways gotten worse. Um, and and so they every time they come back with the same refrain, the same refrain, if you just give us more money this time, we'll make it work. When in reality, we spend among the highest per pupil spending in the developed world. We're number three. Um, yeah, What do and- they spend
2: in D.C., by the way? It's like private school <laughs> tuition per student.
5: Oh yeah, it's like Sidwell Friends tuition—not just any private school. It's thirty thousand dollars per student.
2: That's astonishing. Okay.
5: Uh, imagine, just imagine, if every DC parent got thirty thousand dollars in their pocket to to send their kid to whatever educational experience was best for that kid. Just imagine the impact that that would have. But instead, it's going into the same system that is repeatedly failing kids um, and failing families who don't have a lot of other options.
2: Inez Felcher is a contributor to The Federalist. You can read her latest at com. Also follow her on Twitter. And, Inez, we're going to have to get in touch with somebody at the White House to get them to start looking at school <laughs> choice stuff, because I'm not hearing enough about this. And I feel like this is, yeah, this is one her? place where conservatives win when people know the truth.
5: Absolutely. And more importantly, get in touch with your state legislators. Get in touch with your state lawmakers, because education policy should be made at the state level and largely still is. 90% of the funds come from the state. And the states set the policies. So talk to your legislators. Make sure that you know they know that this is an important issue for you. It's it, to me. I think it's the the survival of our ideology, of of the belief systems that we have, of um, you know civics in America, and really of citizenship in America. We don't you know, improve the quality of the education that our kids receive. We're just gonna continue down the wrong path.
2: Inez Felch, everybody, follow her on Twitter. And Inez, have a great weekend. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Jane, we're gonna roll and do a, a quick break here. When we come back, we're gonna get into some roll call. Whew, man. That's it's a lot for a Friday, everybody. I, I tell you today I kind of cleared out the schedule. You know, I, I talked to some Fox people. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'll do one hit today. I, don't, I can't. No more TV for me. I'm going to wear some sweats. I'm going to cook myself a nice Friday-style uh, brunch, you know, uh, a lot of bacon, a lot of eggs around like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I just really kind of lean into it. You know, I was going to do a little, a little bit of reading for pleasure, which is, I know, such an anomaly these days. It's going to kick back, relax. Maybe put on some Cat Stevens and let the cat purr. And instead, I know now his name is like something, like Yosef Islam or something, right? Cat Stevens changed his name to Salman Islam or Yosef Islam or something. I forget what Cat Stevens' name is now. But anyway, you got to let the cat purr while you're drinking some Zima. And and I was just sitting around, you know, thinking that it was going to be pretty chill. And sure enough, it was like, blam, huge story on Russia. And then blam, FBI dropped the ball. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, no. My whole day got turned upside down, and then you know the the problem with with getting involved in this stuff is you start to see some of the some of the Twitter battles. You know, right when the news breaks, you want to get in there, and next thing you know, you're in some you're in some long Twitter exchange with some clown from who knows what network, and you're like, why am I even doing? What am I doing with my life? Like, what is the po- <laughs> what is the point of this? Uh, I should be focused on the content for the show. Focused on. Uh, making sure that I'm as prepared as I possibly can be every single day for the Freedom Hub, which is no doubt my mission and my mantra. Uh, but it was quite a change today. So anyway, with that, I I will get into... Uh, I will get into... Oh, there we go. Yes. Team Ooh, Buck, okay. it's time for Roll Call. Hoo-ah, roll Call. We got to make some cool, like... You know what I mean? Uh, we should probably take some some Lee Ermey quotes. Isn't that the guy's name from Full Metal Jacket? Action movie quote Friday I should know this you know what I'm saying and we can intersperse them and create our own thing for roll call like I didn't know they stacked stuff that high you know that stuff something like that and we put that in there that's amazing I I admit I think that there are, are a couple of movies where you have to think of it as a movie in in two parts and one of them is Wedding Crashers the first. Hour of Wedding Crashers is like a highly entertaining, amazing movie that I can watch anytime. The second hour is a not funny, depressing, weird devolution into the depths of human despair and like frailty. It's not what I would sign up for at all. Right. Basically, when they leave the island with the really nice country house on the on the shore of Maryland in Wedding Crashers, it's no longer a movie you should watch. I, I kind of feel, and some of you're going to get mad at me but you know what that's okay I like to, I like to provoke sometimes. I feel the same way about Full Metal Jacket. First hour of Full Metal Jacket is like cinematic masterpiece. It's incredible. Uh it's you know a, a among among the best of Kubrick's works. The Second hour is, you know, he could have like taken it and put it in the middle of the movie platoon and been like, "Yeah, it's like all kind of the same." I mean, it was fine. But it was not it didn't have quite the same impact. And I think Lee Ermey and I I'm probably getting his name wrong, but Uh, The the drill instructor really carried the movie on his shoulders. Um, He he did quite an amazing job. A timeless, a timeless character. And I'm sure he's a conservative. Um, All right, into roll call now. Pardon the, uh, the digression there. Big fan of your show. This comes from John. So, John, I'm a big fan of you. Original Saturday Squad here, OSS. You have the perfect mix of analysis, opinion, and humor, and you are polite to callers. Miss the days when you'd be doing your show after a panel appearance on CNN and you would vent some anger. <laughs> that was good stuff. I download all your Shields High podcasts. You should consider doing a deep dive on Operation Ajax. Uh, there's probably a lot of misinformation regarding this. For a recommendation, I would recommend uh, blank. He's a blankety blank, blank, blank. Okay. Anyway, keep up the good work and Shields High. Oh, thank you very much, John. Yeah, the, the only good part about CNN is that when they would cut me off and not let me respond during an ambush, uh, I would then sometimes come on radio and just vent spleen for like a solid 30 minutes on it, which which made for some good radio. Buck, There were buck slaps all over the place. There were just buck slaps left and right. So, uh, you know how it is. Oh, there it is. Whoa, hey. Oh, there it came out of nowhere. By the way, every time we do that, I think of the... Uh, the radio show on Parks and Rec. Do you guys know Parks and Rec, the show? Where the guys, you know, what's his name? Uh, Crazy Ira. And the douche. I mean, it's th- That's like among the best parts of the show. Although the guy whose name is like Mervyn Myrtle or whatever, who's the, the NPR-style host, I actually like his pseudo-radio show more, you know? It's like, oh, we're listening to uh, Swedish jazz music, and he's just so boring, and they're talking about like the mating habits of flying squirrels and stuff like that. It's a, you know, NPR. It's it's great. It's great stuff. And not, not actual NPR. I mean, their version of NPR in parks and recreation. Another thing I'll give you a tip. Skip to season two. If you haven't seen parks and rec season one is garbage. Just go right to season two on Netflix and start watching it from there. You'll love it. Ron Swanson will be your favorite TV character. One of your favorite TV characters of all time. But season one is bad. It's almost like unwatchable. So you got to go right to season two. You miss nothing. All right, now we have uh, Bill, who's next up. Food for poor. 30 to 40 years ago, the poor could get basic food. Flour, beans, cheese, uh, pow- uh, power eggs. I guess that's powdered eggs, right? Powdered, yes. Power, ha-yah, powdered, powdered uh, I can't speak. Power eggs sounds like something you take before you're lifting. Yeah, I'm lifting the weights. I'm very strong. I'm going to pump you up. I have to do the clap thing there. I don't know if you could hear that. Not a lot of SNL sketches really hold up from back in the day. Like there's a, there's a lot of nostalgia with them, but if you go back and you watch some of the Jim Belushi stuff, you're like, this doesn't this doesn't hold up. All right. He writes food for the poor. 30, 40 years ago, you get that stuff. They all had to take uh, they had to take all these commodities, not just what they wanted. This means they had to prepare the food instead of just pouring it out of a box. They would take all, and if they did not want some, then throw it in the trash or sell it to someone. All right, Bill. Well, thank you for the uh, historical context there. I would say this: I am uh, going to have to return to this issue of food and food stamps and all that. This this was a this was a surprise here on the show. I mean, we the, the response on the phones, on email, and Facebook to that one segment, which I just kind of thought about something I had read earlier in the day, was uh, was profound. People were really really into it. Um, so we will get into that some more. Erwin uh, writes the following: Hey Buck, I agree with you. There's really no solution to this problem. I fully support the Constitution, the Second Amendment, and therefore support the idea that this kind of unfortunate situation is a cost of doing business. You know, Irwin, I, I'm so open to any ideas that will fix this that don't have really bad trade-offs that are all, and and are also worthless actions to prevent it. Right? If someone says we can do this, it would stop gun violence that's why when people say more armed security at schools all right how much more i don't know how highly trained up for discussion but more not opposed to that will it stop some maybe is there any real downside as i see it not really you know your school safety officer is there for any number of safety issues right the guy who's standing there who's got a glock on his hip to make sure there's not a school shooting could also be the guy who you know, a student is having some kind of uh, you know major health emergency. He could be a first responder. I mean, it, it can sort of many hat the positions that people have w- with regard to this. They're not just. It's not like they're standing there in a you know standing there in some kind of uh, uh, you know a- a- armored personnel carrier on the lookout. Right. I mean, they're going to be able to interact with students and do other things. They're not. They're not dug into a machine gun nest with a fifty cal waiting for a, you know, someone to come after them. They can. Uh, be helpful to other parts of the school atmosphere and and keep kids safe without having to engage an active shooter, right? There's other stuff. Anyway, uh, Bill writes the following, and I'm sorry, Bill, because it got uh, frozen there for a second. Hey, Buck, great work on your radio show. Really enjoyed listening to it on Stitcher. That's right, everybody. You can listen on Stitcher. By the way, could you have your people, uh, tech people, look into your voice level? It seems kind of low and have trouble when I turn it up, the bump music comes on. It's really loud. Is this a thing? Are we are we having... Is this on me? Oh, I turned my... Oh, oh. All right. This is on, this is apparently my radio technique, folks. O- occasionally, I don't speak right into the microphone because blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you guys are right. I, you're not the first people to have told me that. I get all animated, and I assume I'm talking... I assume the whole team is in the room with me, and I'm not actually speaking to people across the entire United States through a, a little metal tube that I have to be very close to at all times or else my voice does not really carry over it. But we have a ton more messages in the, uh, in, in the inbox for this week. I, I will hold some off for Monday. And, you know, by the way, we're also going to start thinking about some ideas for going live with video or maybe post-show video or pre-show video. So if you got ideas on that. Let me know. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Officialteambuck at gmail.com if you want to email us. We should probably get a... And a, a company email for that, by the way. Just a thought. Makes it sound like I'm doing a Wayne's World thing out of my basement here. We should get a real one. Hey, everybody, have a great weekend. Excited to join you next week. Shields high.